Well, as we continue our study in the book of James, uh, I'm, I'm grateful that you're continually coming back. Uh, this has not been an easy book for us, uh, mainly just because of the, um, the way that it reveals our brokenness. James isn't a light pat on the back. It's not a, uh, you're doing great, keep it up. Uh, but it is a picture of the mistakes that we're making. Uh, and James is pretty open with us about that. Uh, as children of God, though, that's hopefully our desire is to address the issues that are going on in our lives. And so uh, as we open up this book and we study it together and we see how broken we are, uh, let's take comfort in the grace that he continually offers and gives to us. But let's be convinced and devoted to and committed to making changes. Uh, today we're going to be talking about a topic that uh, it has not been fun to dwell on throughout this last week. Uh, it's a topic that I hope that we will uh, consider very deeply, and that is the topic of slander and speaking uh, evil against one another. If you're there in James chapter 4, we'll read it one more time. Verses 11 and 12 says, Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. There's only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? As we've read through James, we've noticed James fixates on the tongue quite a lot. Uh, and he brings out the fact that we'll use our tongues to uh, bless men and then also use our tongues to curse. And that's not right. That's not the way it should really be. Uh, that we get into fights and, and that we argue with one another uh, is an indication that there's a problem inside of us. There's something going on inside our hearts that needs to be fixed because this is not the way it ought to be. Uh, and so James has made this very clear as we've studied through this book that this is, a, this is something we need to address. And if we are able to address and to correct our tongue and to fix it and get it in the way that it needs to be, then we will become perfect and complete, lacking nothing. I mean, we will, we will accomplish the transformation that God is seeking to accomplish within us. So uh, it makes sense for James to, to circle back around and come back to this topic of the tongue. And it makes sense for us to look at this Yet again, the first words here are, uh, do not speak evil against one another, brothers. So let's talk about this idea for just a second. Uh, when are we ever tempted to speak against one another? Um, anybody here never done that? Everybody's done that, right? We all have experience speaking against someone else. I mean, that's not, that's not unique to just a few of us, even the most quiet and the most tame and the most, you know, reserved person at some point in time is going to speak against someone else, is going to happen in some way. It's really hard to hold back all of those thoughts and all of those feelings that well up inside of us. It's, it's something that happens often. And a lot of times we're tempted to speak that way thinking it's really just not a big deal. Everybody else is doing it. Everybody else has always done it. 
I've done it in the past. People have done it about me. They've spoken against me. It's, it's just no big deal. Whenever, in fact, whenever people speak against us, it is a big deal to us, right? Uh, but we, we, we will justify doing it, saying it's no big deal, and saying they deserve it. I mean, how many of us have thought that? Think about some, some angry words you have let slip unbridled from your lips that you thought they deserve this. And at the same time thinking, we deserve glory. We do not deserve whatever it is they've done against us. We deserve respect. We deserve honor. Look at all that we've done. Look at how much we've accomplished. Look at how good we are. We deserve to be treated better, so we're going to make them treat us better, and we're going we're to belittle them, lower them down to their place. That's slander. That's slander. That's speaking against a brother. James is very clear here in saying, do not do it. Do not do it. It's a really hard thing for us. Our world is driven by opinions. I mean, everybody's got an opinion about everything, don't we? I mean, and, and it's becoming even more evident as social media has given us this megaphone to put to our lips to speak out the message of our opinions for everyone else to hear. Uh, and, and we have the opportunity to share our opinions, and those opinions are spreading far and wide, and they catch fire. And they bring destruction. Our world is driven by opinions. They want the gossip. They want the information. They want to hear something juicy. And our hearts get entangled by that. We have a desire to please those around us by feeding them with that kind of information. But whenever we're doing that, James is trying to bring to our mind the fact that we're, we're breaking the law. We're breaking the law. Notice how he words. He says, the one who speaks against a brother judges his brother. You're judging. And then he says, speaks evil against the law and judges the law. The law has said, do not do that. And you're saying, it's okay for me to do that. You, we're, we're saying, it's okay for me to break the law. And that law is wrong. What law is he talking about? Well, only the second greatest law, Right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, number one. Number two is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. We're forgetting the second greatest commandment when we do this. Okay, so he's kind of just pointing a spotlight on a particular area of abusing the tongue to say, that's not okay. And we got to stop that. We got to crush that. So let's evaluate this, this idea of speaking against one, uh, one another uh, and kind of talk about maybe some of the fallacies that, that we have going on in our minds, lies that we believe that are really underneath all of these oppressive and hateful words, slanderous words. And, and let's keep our, our hearts open and our minds open to this investigation to see if we're guilty of doing these kinds of things. First of all, consider... Uh, how whenever we speak against someone else, we justify it saying it's not evil because I'm not lying. <laughs> I mean, have you ever heard somebody say that? 
They speak against somebody. They speak something evil about somebody. They're, they're, they're making fun of. They're picking. They're, they're condemning. They're con- con- uh, criticizing. And they, they justify it by saying, I'm not lying. There's nothing untrue about what I just said. Therefore, there's nothing evil about what I just said. Well, slander isn't always about falsehoods. Slander is not always about falsehoods. It's not always about lies. In fact, it's more so about twisting the truth with our own biases and our own opinions so that we can damage and hurt other people instead of building them up. So yeah, there's an element of truth to the things that we're saying. But the way that we're saying it is just wrong. There's something that's an added element that is hurtful and that is uh, devaluing and, de- and, and just destroying the, the reputation of, the, the self-respect, everything. It's just destroying the other person instead of building them up. You skip over to chapter 5, verse 12, and you see uh, him talking also about speaking, and, and he, he says something also very interesting. He says, Above all, my brothers, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth, or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, so that you may not fall under condemnation. Now, it doesn't speak specifically about slander or anything like that, but notice he's saying, whenever you speak, Don't try to add a bunch of stuff to it to make it sound better than it is. Just say yes or no. Just keep it simple, okay? Just say what it is and keep it simple. Don't add all this extra stuff. And and I think that's important because whenever we speak against someone, what we've done is we've not just taken the information in of, of the facts, but we've added to it. We have to be careful about that. Uh, you see, our words are like a scalpel that's in the surgeon's hand. And that scalpel can heal. That scalpel can fix and, and remove the cancerous tumors, the, 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 the parts of our body that need to be removed and replaced and, and fixed. But that scalpel can also do tremendous damage. When it's used recklessly, it can cut in ways that will destroy and kill. And we need to understand our words have that power. James told us in chapter 3, our words are as destructive as fire. They set a whole forest ablaze. Our, Our words are powerful. And here is a way in which our words can have tremendous power to destroy. When we speak the truth in a way that is destructive, in a way that doesn't seek to build up, in a way that seeks to build ourselves up and not to build up other people. Our words have to be used in a way that is loving and caring for someone else, that is desiring the best possible outcome for that person. What what are we wrapping the truth in? If the truth is wrapped in love, it's a lot easier for the person to digest. It's a lot easier for the person to accept, to consider, to, uh, to work out all the, the, the truths that are in it and all the errors and all the flaws that, that you yourself don't even know and to create a, an avenue for success and healing and, and salvation. 
But if our words are laced with poison, our words are spoken in a way that doesn't consider the hearer and the way in which those words will be received, but instead it's just bluntly spoken in an inconsiderate way with all kinds of implications, with all kinds of uh, chastisements or condescension, then those words destroy. They don't bring people in push people away? Are our words more like a bridge to bring people to safety? Or are they like a barrier to keep people away? We need to consider our words. We speak the truth, but the way that we speak the truth has a major impact on those who hear. And as we read this, it might seem like we want to put up our defenses and say, oh, this is another one of those texts that tells me not to judge people. And uh, obviously, we're supposed to judge people, so it's perfectly fine. And we live in a society that says, don't judge. You know, that's their favorite Bible verse, is, is Matthew 7, do not judge. And that's the way that they, they interpret that, is don't judge anything, stay in your lane, never speak against anybody. Who are you to speak against someone and they judge us for judging them. You know, there's a lot of uh, you know ridiculousness in that. Uh, a lot of times, whenever we speak something that's true, they will condemn us for apparently condemning them. That as though as though condemning people is wrong whenever anyone else does it, but it's not wrong when they do it. You know, it's just ridiculous. But that's the nature of our society. Uh, that's the way that they they view judgments in general, that they're wrong unless we make them. Unless it's the judgment that has been agreed upon by the people that I like, then it's wrong for you to make that judgment. I'm offended. And we have to be careful to make sure that we're not judgmental or harsh as these people are condemning us for, because there is an element of this as we read it that tells us it's not okay to be judgmental. It's not okay to be harsh. And, and we have to separate judgment and discernment. You know, We have to separate being judgmental and making righteous judgments. And we have to understand the differences. As James is trying to point out, there's a difference. There's a sense in which we can be judgmental, where we can make a judgment coming from a place of superiority. I'm telling you this because I know more than you. I'm telling you this because I'm stronger than you. I'm wiser than you. I'm more equipped to, to handle things. Look at me. You know, that's judgmentalness. That's where it comes from, is this picture of, I've got it all figured out. Let me tell you what to do. And that is certainly what James is trying to get us to, to stop doing. Why are we judging our brothers, he says. You're judging your brother. You're condemning your brother as though you know everything. And his point, as you read through this, is um, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. You want to be a doer of the law, you're going to stop acting that way and start recognizing who you really are. In the previous paragraph, he talked about God is opposed to the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He gives more grace to the humble. If you want to be a child of God who receives grace... 
Humility is what we're after, not pride and arrogance. And so instead of uh, promoting judgment and harsh criticism, he's promoting discernment. And, and he's, he's, he's speaking against that harsh criticism. Just be discerning. It's okay to have righteous judgment. It's okay to have criticisms. James is not saying never talk about anybody's wrong ever. You see, there's this kind of false dichotomy that the world teaches us that either you're a legalist or you're a coward. And that's what you get to choose. You either, you're going to become a legalist or you're going to become a coward. You've got to choose between one of these two things. If you're going to condemn anybody, then you're a legalist. And so, if you're not condemning anybody, then you're obviously a coward. I mean, obviously, who's, who, who doesn't stand for anything? Who doesn't speak about anything? Well, that's a coward right there. And so, you've got to choose, and that's like, it's a lose-lose situation. When what James is trying to help us understand is, we need discernment, we need wisdom, we need love, we need to speak the truth with love. We need to be considerate of the hearer and be sure that the words that we say are intended to build up. And he's warning us against self-righteous speech. He's warning us against self-righteous speech. Uh, thinking that we are righteous as we speak can result in our fall. Here we are trying to pull a splinter out of our brother's eye and there is a plank in our eye. We've got a problem. Uh, so Jesus and James are calling for us to be courageous. He's not saying be a coward, but also not abrasive, not abusive, not harsh. Okay, Don't swing between those extremes. Uh, maybe if you are harsh and you have been critical in the past, maybe keep your mouth shut for a time until you work out the ability to speak in love. That makes sense. Maybe if you have been very uh, quiet and weak and afraid to speak out against anything ever, maybe practice some boldness, make some mistakes, say some things that uh, maybe come across wrong until you figure out how to speak in a way that shows love. But for sure, where we want to be is in the middle. We want to be speaking the truth in a way that it's going to be received so that the body can build up and grow and become what God wants it to be. That's our goal. That's our mission. Okay? We're never going to get there if we're on either end of the extremes. We're never going to get there. If we, if we constantly criticize and condemn everybody, the whole body will be destroyed. If we don't say anything to anybody, the whole body will become a worldly club where everybody's accepted and nothing ever changes. And we've got to find a balance between the two things. We've got to speak and, and say what's true. So as we've considered just these two verses, uh, I hope that you, like me, are considering your own mistakes and not pointing a finger around at somebody else and saying, man, I'm glad they heard this sermon. I hope you're like me and, and realizing we've got some work to do. Okay, uh, How often have, have we added our own narrative to the situations that we experience, that we see? Uh, we're given facts, and then we take those facts, whatever they are, whatever we see, and we spin tales, we assume motives, and we start to fill in the gaps thinking we know what's really going on. We don't know anything. I've heard it come out of other people's mouths. I've said it myself. 
whenever people uh, make a mistake or whenever people fail to measure up to a standard that I think they should be at, these kind of words come out. I start thinking they don't care. I start assuming I know what's in the heart of the people who are around me. And I've been proven wrong one too many times. We have to instead interpret the facts with grace. Instead of interpreting the facts and then reshaping them in a critical way so that we feel superior to those who have fallen short of our standards. We need to instead seek greater understanding with people around us. Go and ask them what's going on. Talk to them and try to get them to open up and, and explain what's happening so that you can build them up in the right direction. And understand that we're not here to belittle or devalue anybody. You remember who the greatest in the kingdom is? The least. The least. Satan is constantly pulling us to think we're the greatest. And we're here to be the least. James himself says in verse 12, uh, There is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? What gives you the right? What makes you so special? You know, I think about that. Nothing makes me special. The more that I read James, the, the less special I feel. <laughs> uh, I feel like I don't deserve to have any right to even stand up here and, and share all this with you. Like, who am I? Uh, this is ridiculous. You need to understand, when we speak this way, we're speaking against those we're called to love. And we're speaking against God himself, who sent his son to die for those people who loves them and cares for them. We're speaking against his law, saying it's not right in this situation. This person, they need a little bit of judgment. And God says no. Not like that. God's judgments are good. We have to learn to trust his judgments. He has a different vantage point from us. He can see and know the heart Every single person here. He can know their thoughts. He can know everything about them. He is the one who can make the right judgments. We, we're lost in the exterior. We're lost in the outer appearance of things that are going on. Not knowing what's really inside. And we need to come to that recognition before we speak. Uh, God has the ability to judge in our situation. He could judge us. He could condemn us. He could find all kinds of things that are wrong with us, even this very thing of slander. He could look at us and say, yep, guilty. But instead, he wants to save us. Remember, Jesus himself came to this earth, and he endured slander and malice and spitting on and judgment and, and the cross. And he didn't return it to those who obviously deserved it. Jesus was obviously superior, and yet he didn't seek superiority or glory. So we can't justify 
acting this way. If we are calling ourselves God's children and we look at God and we see he could condemn, but he saves. We look at Jesus and we see he could destroy if he wanted to, but instead he endures. He is he is suffering long with the people who hate him and he's waiting for them to change, hoping for them to change. Us included in that them. How could we justify lashing out against people around? Every single interaction, every word, and every gesture should be a display of the grace that we've received. We're image bearers. That's our job. That's our calling in this world is to show people the image of God who obviously is not desiring to judge and condemn. He has grounds for that. But he wants to save. He wants to speak truth in love. And he wants to help those who are lost find the light through us. That's our calling. And so that's what we need to commit ourselves to. We need to think, do these words coming out of my mouth tarnish the image of Christ? As I claim to be a Christian and I speak in this way. The world is rebelling against Christianity because of this right here. Because people call themselves Christians and they act nothing like Jesus. Because we call ourselves Christians. And we're acting like everyone else out in the world. It has to change. It has to change. Our mission is to carry God's truth to a broken world. And so our words and our actions are intended to point the way to Jesus, not to point the way of this world. And James is calling for us to have loving honesty with one another. Can you imagine a society, a community, a church where we speak the truth in a loving way? We wrap that truth in a gift that, sh- that says... I love you and care for you, and I am no better than you. And I've got problems that you you can very easily point out to me, and I hope you will, but this is what I'm seeing, and this is where I think we need to go. And I could be wrong, but this is what I'm seeing. Can you imagine a group of Christians who are willing to step up and say those things? Or can you imagine a group of Christians who are willing to ask more questions instead of arriving at conclusions with just a few little facts, who actually are interested in each other's lives enough to find out why they're doing the things that they're doing and to understand whether it's really even worthy of my criticism. And I think a lot of times we do this because our inner talk is very critical. I'm a very, I I think very critically of myself and I, I commonly will, you know, speak harshly to myself and wonder about why I do things and not like myself and, and all of that. And so it just spills over that we start treating other people that way. And the thing is, that's really, really important, okay? Throughout James, this is a really important concept, okay? There is a God who loves you deeply. loves you deeply. 
He loves you. He cares about you. He wants to spend eternity with you. He wants to lavish you with his grace. Not because of how wonderful you are, but because that's who he is. And the response of that tremendous grace being showered upon us can't be harsh judgments of other people. It has to be a life that's lived for him, extending grace as we've received it. If you're struggling with harsh words against other people, has the gospel really impacted your heart? Has it really sunk in yet that you don't deserve his grace, but he gave it anyway? That's what James wants us to see. And that's what he wants to happen inside of us is this internal transformation, this thanksgiving to God that says, God, you have shown me more grace than I could ever possibly deserve. And all that I want to do now is just show that grace to other people so they can experience it. All I want to do now is just suffer along with them as you've suffered along with me. Endure their slander and their evil against me and return it with good and return it with love. That's the hardest thing that we'll do in this life, but this is our calling. This is what we're here for. And this is the way we demonstrate the love of God and Christ and shine a light in the world around us. So I hope that the gospel has taken hold in your heart, whether you're here today and you've never received it or you've received it and forgotten it. I hope that gospel takes hold in your heart and that you never let it go and that you make the decision to show God the love that he's shown you. You submit your life to him as you love those around you and as you live for him every day. If there's anybody here this morning that needs to submit your life to Christ or rededicate yourself, if there's something that you need, please let us know, whatever that is. If you've never even obeyed the gospel, it is, it is the door is open. And you today can come and confess and repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of all those sins and be added to the body of Christ, a group of imperfect people who are trying to learn how to glorify God and love each other. And if you want to be a part of that, please let us know. Please come as we stand.